Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. All right, guys, get your Bible apps or your old-fashioned Bibles out, and let's dive into the Word. Um, This is a great day, man, as we celebrate all of these guys in baptism. Uh, This is our declaration. We say this every Sunday at Destiny Church. If you're new to us, just join in with us because it's straight out of Scripture, and it'll apply to your life too, okay? You ready? Here we go. Let's say it like we mean it, all right? I will constantly guard my heart for every, and align it with God's holy word, for everything that I do flows from it. Amen? All right, let's do it again, and let's not put it on the screen for people like me who get lazy. All right, you ready? I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word, for everything that I do flows from it. Amen. That is so true. So let's get ready to align our... uh, hearts with God's word today. I don't know what tradition you come from, like spiritually, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever. We're an apostolic church. We're a full gospel church. We believe in, um, you know, all of the gifts of the spirit are uh, still in operation today. That's the belief of this house. And so a lot of times we just, we'll just stop and make room because like for us, This isn't a program. This is basically y'all are at my house or I'm at your house. We're just all in the living room and we're just basically uh, just experiencing God together. And there are times that, uh, you know, God may give a prophetic word or whatever. We just stop. We take time for that. If you don't believe in that, that's okay. Uh, there There were times in my life that I didn't believe it either. I totally thought that people like me were crazy until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and changed my heart. And I began to dive in the word and realize there were a lot of things about God that people did not tell me about. I don't know if that's your experience, but I'm telling you, if you'll get into the word, you'll find out that there's so much incredible stuff in his word. Today, we're going to be coming from Joshua, uh, sorry, Judges chapter two. Last week, we were in Joshua. Uh, So this time period that we're in this week was a little bit before where we were last week. Last week, we were in the fall of Jericho and the taking of the city of Ai. This is kind of like we're going to rewind and we're back in time a little bit where the Israelites are just coming out of uh, Egyptian uh, captivity. They're going in to possess the land that God had promised for their inheritance. And we'll pick up a little bit later in there. Today, as I talk to you about this series, Hills to Die On, you know that we've already talked about several hills that we as the church of God, God's church, we cannot afford to let die. And the church has done a lot already damage of letting some things die. Uh, And we want to sit around and complain about them like, you know, uh, took prayer out of school. Well, you know what? They can't take prayer out of school. Prayer is wherever you go with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I pray all the time in Walmart, Sam's, you know, at the car dealership. I pray wherever I am because I'll walk up in some of those places, man, feel some of those nasty old spirits up in there. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, not today, devil. 
It's wherever. You know, so when we go into these places, there are some things that we can't let die. And right now, culture is trying to cancel a lot of things. And if we just sit back and let them, they will totally rewrite uh, culture. And for us, we can't do it by screaming. You know, you can't do it by your social media posts. I get that. I like to post on social media myself. You know where this kind of stuff is going to come? Anybody tell me. This is just random question. Anybody? Day-to-day interaction with people. That is a good answer. Keep going. Some of this don't happen at y'all's church, does it? <laughs> come on. What's some other answers? Like, how, how is change going to happen? Prayer. It's going to come through intercession. Like, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but are mighty through God. We think we're fighting Black Lives Matter. We think we're fighting the president. We think we're fighting, you know, Planned Parenthood. We're not fighting them. We are fighting an invisible enemy. And the way that that enemy uh, is, it, is brought down is through prayer. And so there are some mountains, some hills that we've been saying, we cannot let this die. And I won't go through all of them, but one of them is the word of God. This is our foundation. This is our standard. Not what culture says, not what the government said. This is our standard first and foremost. There are some other things that we talked about. Uh, we talked about, um, uh, Shout out some of them to me. I preach them and I'm trying to remember them. Support for Israel, like as a nation. God says we are supposed to bless Israel, pray for Israel. Thank you for listening. Uh, we also we also talked about the sanctity of sexuality. Like, God has a plan for sexuality. It's male and female. And I'm sorry if that rubs you the wrong way. You would be surprised at Christians who are completely okay with alternate lifestyles. Listen, it's not for me to condemn you or fight you over that. My role is just to say, this is what the Word of God says, and I'm not budging from that. There are a lot of things that it's like, guys, I have friends in other churches that, that they literally, their denominations right now are dividing because they, are, they, are, uh, they just ordained, like within the last few weeks, their first transgender priest. Like, what is happening to the church? We cannot lay down on some of these things. The things that are important, we have to stand. And where are we going to stand? On the Word. word, But we're going to do it through prayer. We're going to do it through interceding. So one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is that we cannot, guys, we cannot let this hill die. What do you think is our most valuable treasure. What, what is the most valuable possession of the church? And I put that asterisk there because you could say, what's the most valuable possession of our nation? What's the most valuable possession of your family? What is it? Just some, just some answers. Relationships. Relationships involve people. All right. Keep going. Love. 
I'm really getting to that people. I want us to narrow it down. Our identity. These are all good answers, by the way. But I'm going to tell you, the most valuable thing is our children. The most valuable possession of any country is the next generation. I don't know if you know a whole lot. I've, I've told you a little bit about it. I don't know if you know a whole lot about the history of the Malbus Plantation. Anybody know a little bit about Malbus? They call it Spanish for it now. But, you know, for those of us who've been around a while, Malbus, that plantation, was a Greek communal uh, uh, colony. And they came over. They brought a lot of families over from Greece. But here's one of their downfalls. Like, do you know any of the Greeks from Malbus? Most of them don't even live here. They live far away. What happened in that, the, the, the downfall of that community was when they brought them over here, they didn't allow um, the relationship between male and female in their communal or uh, colony. So there was no having babies. They just lived. And, you know, when they didn't propagate, what happened? Their, their group began to diminish and die off. And what the reason that it propagated is because many of the young Greeks started wanting to marry outside of their community. And the community actually fought against that. And it's like, why? These people were so entrepreneurial, yet they neglected the very basic thing of, of, of self-propagation. Like, you have to have babies, you have to have children, you have to have a next generation to carry on. And when you look at this, what Jason Malbus did over here, uh, just a few miles from us, what he did is he created this incredible entrepreneurial community. I mean, that, they had a bakery. They had uh, the first ice house, I believe, in Baldwin County. They had the first on-site generator where they had their own electricity independent of the state and county. They had uh, uh, greenhouses. They had crops. They, I mean, they had so many things. They had a hotel. They had a um, uh, service station. They were so entrepreneurial and smart. And guess who is the benefit, uh, bene, uh, beneficiaries of all of that wealth today? Well, yeah, we are. But the Greeks that were part of that, I mean, they're off in New Jersey, New York, Arizona, California. And do you know that those group of Greeks, because they put all their money in that communal treasury, they all worked, but it all went into a treasury. So it's basically like socialism. Uh, and they all were paid out of that in equal wage. And now the beneficiaries of that are multiple generations down the line from the founder, Jason Malbus, that live all over the country. And every year, month, quarter, whatever, they get a, uh, a stipend check from the trust that was left. And I'm sure that that's great, that you get a big old fat check coming in every quarter or year or whatever. 
from the property that Lowe's bought from them and the mall at Eastern Shore and all, uh, uh, City Hope Church, that neighborhood, all of those things over there. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't Jason Malbus's vision for that. And the great Greek Orthodox church that is over there that is so beautiful and massive is now a museum. Because there's nobody there. There was no next generation to come forward. So the most valuable resource, the most valuable possession that anybody can have is children, the next generation. But why is it that we treat children like they're not important? I mean, our nation has such a high abortion rate. And we sit back and it's okay. Why? Because we let that mountain, we let the sanctity of life die. The church didn't stand up for that. I mean, we still try to stand back. But man, regaining that mountain after the devil took it, that is a hard mountain to reclaim. And it's because we don't truly value children like we should. I want you to look at this. Are we as serious as Satan is about discipling our children? Just let it sink in for a second. Like, are we as serious as Satan is? Because Satan is really serious about discipling our children. If you don't know what is going on in the media... You better be checking what your kids are watching. You better be watching Blue's Clues. Seriously, Blue's Clues? Yes. Now, I, I, there are kids in here, so I can't be as blunt as I would like to. But you better be watching out Blue's Clues, Author, all of these little kitty shows that you think they're supposed to be learning how to, you know, say their ABCs and one, two, threes. They're actually introducing them. I am not making this up. Please go Google it and YouTube it yourself. There was a Blue's Clues uh, video that came out recently, and they've got a drag queen uh, on there teaching the children that it's okay to embrace, uh, you know, multiple genders outside of the two. All of this is happening right under our nose it's coming right into your home it's right there on your on your uh child's ipad it's right there on your child's cell phone if you don't believe that satan is serious about discipling he will take it if you don't want it and i'm just telling you listen to me I know what I'm talking about. I spent 15 years as a children's pastor. I'll go into other countries and I will see what they're doing. And I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but, but usually other countries that are not as industrialized as we are, they're about 20 and sometimes 30 years behind the times in uh, like where they are developmentally. And I'll go into some of the Central American uh, countries and I will see what they're doing and, I, and I'm like, hey, guys, if you could just get a glimpse into the future, let, let me help you understand. 
Like, y'all need to pay more attention to your children because the United States church stopped paying attention. And we relegated it out to a children's pastor or a youth pastor. We relegated it out while all of the adults wanted to come. This is going to hit some religious folks upside the head. While we all came into the sanctuary and wanted to roll around in the glory cloud of God, while our young people do God knows what back there, and they're, you know, feeding them, uh, I'm not against goldfish and all these kind of little drinks and stuff, but there's, that's a part of it, and they have motor skills and different things that they got to learn at different ages. But honestly, who really cares what they're doing back there, right? Who cares? As long as I get my praise on. As, as long as I get fed. Pull up to the table. Feed me, preacher. Feed me. Come on. Give me some good stuff. But the kids, who's feeding them? What are they getting fed? Who cares? Just shove it in. I know it's not pretty. I don't care. I'm not here to look dignified. I'm here to tell you the truth. And what happened is when we are in here concerned only about ourselves, I cannot tell you how many people that Shay and I over the period of years refused to serve in a children's ministry. Because they need their time in the sanctuary. They need their time to, you know, and I'm like, yes, you do. But you need to also spend time discipling children. Because you and I are getting deader by the moment. Are you following me? We're getting older and deader by the moment. Well, that's encouraging, preacher. <laughs> I didn't make the rules up. God did. And he really made us to live forever, and we are going to live forever. But every minute that I breathe, I'm getting older. And I'm moving towards the time when somebody's going to take over my place. And we need somebody younger who is being discipled and brought up. Satan is serious about this. You need to know what's going on in your school system. You need to know what kind of stories. See, I'm a little bit past that age because my kids are grown now. But I'm telling you what, if I knew for a minute that they started teaching critical race theory in Baldwin County schools, you know where Rife Stewart is going to be? At a town hall or he's going to be at the school? And see, I know a lot of y'all looking at me sideways and your eyeballs started to twitch because I used the word race in something. But if you don't know what critical race theory is, if you have not studied it, you need to find out what that trash is. And they are teaching that junk in our schools. But as far as I know, not Baldwin County. If they start teaching that at Baldwin County, I don't have a child in the fight, but I have the next generation at risk. And I'll show up. I'll show up at a town hall meeting. I'll show up. You know, you need to know what the public library is doing. Like, I'm telling you what, the day that they have a drag queen that I know about 
at the library reading to our kids, that's time for us to, to, to show up. Yes, we have to pray. And then there are times that you physically have to show up and say, not in our county. Y'all might do that junk up in New Jersey or New York or over in San Francisco somewhere, but not down here. And you can call us racist. You can call us Hickville redneck, which hello, you know, you can call us whatever you want, but not here, not here. But the enemy is vigilant about discipling that. If you don't know what's going on, try your best to keep your pulse on things. Intercede for our kids. Shay and I pray for our son Noah. He lives in one of the most ungodly places on the planet, New York City. We pray for our, our son. We pray for our daughter. They are in the media and entertainment uh, career. And, you, and, and we pray for them. We pray for them to be lights. We can't all be light to light. We have to go into those areas. But that does not mean we go into the area and the area begins to influence and transform us. I'm telling you what. The enemy, he values scripture. I wish we valued scripture as much as the devil values scripture. The devil knows that there are principles. Hear me. You understand that God is not a respecter of persons. God sets things in order and in law. They are principles. They will work for God and they will work for the devil. Did I just... Pop your theology button, a few of y'all. Your doctrine button. I just let all the air out of it. It's a principle. If I jump off this stage, what direction am I going? Down. If a dog jumps off of it, which direction is he going? Down. If I throw a, 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 a piece of paper off the stage, where is it going? Down. Why? Because gravity works the same. It's just a principle. The scripture is very clear that if we will train up children in a certain way, that there is a principle at work that they will, they, that they will tend to go that way. There's a situation in scripture, and I'm just going to call it commissioned. Like, we're commissioned to disciple children. That scripture that I just read to you, that scripture says, train a child up, a child, train a child, say a child, not your child, a child. It takes a village and everybody wants to go, uh, and I'm, this is not uh, for whoever said amen over here. Everybody wants to go, amen, preacher. It takes a village to raise kids these days. Don't you say nothing to my kid. You don't want mama bear to come out in me. You keep your mouth shut. Everybody wants it a village until the village actually starts doing the village's job. And then, you see what I'm saying? There is a principle at work. I'm here to help you and you're here to help me. I am so thankful that there are people in this room that have helped me disciple my son. Because there were times in my son's life where he stopped listening to me. 
And he began to listen to some of you. Thank you for helping me, being my village, helping me disciple my son. We're commissioned. Every single one of us in this room are commissioned. Well, don't we pay somebody, preacher, to get back there and roll in the floor with the kids and teach them a lesson? That's what guide us in this mess in the first place. Yes, we do. Many times because we have to. But it is all of our job. The scripture is plain and clear on the screen behind me that God commissioned us to train children up. We fail to disciple children through omission. Nobody in this room, guys, look at me. Nobody, not a single person in this room. I don't care if you're here and you go, can you baptize the folks? Because I just came for that and I'm ready to go. You know, I get that. I, I was you, bro. I was that person. But even with that mindset, nobody in the room goes, yeah, I just really think I want to lead my kid to destruction. I'm just pretty sure I just want them to be totally screwed up and go through tens of cabillions of dollars worth of therapy. Nobody does that. But you know how we do it? Through omission. We do it just by not doing the things that we ought to do. Read Judges with me. Go to Judges chapter 2, whether you got your Bible or an app. And I want to just read about six verses, I think, of Scripture. Let's start at verse 6. So Joshua, their fearless leader, is about to die. Verse 6 says that after Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land that was allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. Pay attention. They are inheriting the land. Woo, thank you, Jesus. It's finally here. That's where they're at. You know, we're fixing to go get our settlement, you know, get our claim. And it says that the leaders, the Israelites, served the Lord throughout the life of Joshua. So while Joshua's in charge, he's in leadership, they're serving the Lord. They're doing everything that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to the temple, they're making sacrifices. If you were like that in today's time, what would that mean? They're coming to church, they take them to church every fourth Sunday, uh, they, uh, you know... Uh, serve in the nursery once a quarter. You know, I mean, they do their religious stuff. That's what's happening here. But keep reading with me. It says uh, that they served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. And so in verse 8, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land that he had that had been allocated, the Timnath Sarah in the kill countries of Ephraim north of Mount Gash. Look at verse 10. This is important. You need to pull a pen out or a highlighter or something and, and make some notes here. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Let me stop for just a second. 
All right, so Joshua's dead, man. He's a mighty man of God, did exploits for the Lord. He's dead. The people that he raised up that were, that were in leadership with him, all of them are dead. And now the next generation, the children, are now adults. They have risen to leadership. They are running the country. And look at the two things. It says that this generation, it rose up, it grew up, but they did not acknowledge. Now, that's different than, I, sorry, I'm just ignorant. I didn't know about it. They did not acknowledge God. They willfully chose of their own volition to not follow the Lord. And then it says here that they did not remember the mighty things that he had done. Number one, they were too little to know about them. So while they're doing all of their religious acts throughout the life of Joshua and all of the other leaders... Somehow, they forgot to pass on like, oh man, do you remember this happened over here? And you remember when he brought us across Jordan? You remember the Red Sea thing? And you remember in Egypt? And you remember the manna thing? What, what they forgot to do was this. Every now and then, every now and then we bring this baby out. Now, if y'all are new today, you're like, I seriously ain't coming back to the church now. They got rocks on the stage. Seriously? There's a story behind this. I don't have time to go into it. But every time God would do something, they would bring out a pile of rocks and, and, and put a pile of rocks. And the kids would walk by it and go, hey, Dad, what's this one for? Because they knew. Anytime you see a pile of rocks, God did something there. What did God do here? They stopped talking about the rocks to the point now that the kids no longer even knew that the rocks had a purpose. And so here you have this generation that is ignorant of the things of God. And verse 11 says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt, they went after the other gods. You see what's happening? Like they literally are abandoning one God and picking up another God. Do you not see that happening in culture right now? Like our young people, some of your kids, dare say it, mine at times have abandoned things that I have taught them. I don't know if any of my kids are watching today. Y'all know I love you and mom and I made some mistakes, but we taught you the best, most foundational truths that we knew. But they literally gave up one God and they embraced the gods of the culture. Bro, I'm telling you, that is happening in our culture. That is happening in our church. That is happening in the church of God around the globe. And when men of God stand up and when they preach, young people don't know. They don't know the word of God. It has not been taught to them or the enemy has gotten their ear and is trying to transform the way they think. And we have got to put a stop to that. How are we going to do it? We're not going to be, 
Thank you. We're not going to be able to do it by telling them what they should think. You're not going to be able to do it. You know what they're going to do? They're going to rebel against you. You're going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. You are not going to let your guard down. You are not going to change your view on it. You are going to stick with the word of God. And I promise you that Proverbs uh, 22, 6 that we just read a few minutes ago, you raise your kid up, put him on the right path or her on the right path. And I promise you God is going to bring that thing around like a boomerang. Don't lose faith over where your children are now. Or if you find your place in a few years, don't lose faith. You speak to every word that you have spoken over them. Every prayer that you have prayed over them. And there are times when my wife and I, we will say, God, we activate every word, every little lesson that he learned. She learned in children's church, in youth group, every prophetic word that was spoken over her. The times we stood outside of their bedrooms praying over them and sending your, your angels around them. We pray over them all of the time, sending angels wherever they they are stand on that because I'm telling you God is faithful to his word he is not a liar I want you to look at this by the grace of God Jesus recommissioned us to disciple the next generation I want you to think about this we're commissioned but sometimes we drop the ball when we drop the ball here's God's grace Shay and I We've had, you know, I, I don't know if, the, if you're not from our church, you're going to be like, man, I'm so confused. I don't know what the pastor's talking about. Well, I'm sorry. That just comes with the, uh, with the territory of you not being like here every week. But the other people in the room, they'll know what I'm talking about. Shay and I have had to face some hard truths about ourselves over the past couple of years as parents. And our kids are now grown and they told us what we did wrong as a, as, a, as a parent. And oh, those things are like, oh, stab me, stab me, stab me. But God's grace is like, I don't hold you responsible for that. You did the best that you knew how. You didn't do it in some kind of jerkish, belligerent, mean-spirited way. You were doing the best that you could. God, by his grace, recommissions us again. I want you to think about this. You might know this part of scripture where uh, the disciples, they deserted Jesus. Peter was one of the chief ones that deserted him. And he was the one that was like, man, all them other jokers, they're going to be, you know, you can't trust them like you can trust me, Jesus. But me and you, we good. We, you can trust me. Like, mm, I ain't never going to let you down. And Jesus is like, boy, get out of here. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to be weaseling out. And sure enough, he did. He totally denied Jesus, and it came to pass just as Jesus said. But what happens is Jesus now has gone uh, and rose from the dead. And he, all, all of them are like, just they're just disillusioned. They don't know what's going on. And so Jesus comes one day when they're fishing, and he comes out there. They're trying to catch fish. He says, put your nets on the other side. They catch a bunch of fish. They come in. Peter recognizes that it's Jesus. Jumps out of the boat, goes to shore. And so can you imagine that awkward conversation? The guy who said he wouldn't let you down, let you down three times. 
And they're sitting around the fire, and Jesus is talking to them, and nobody has it. I mean, they're cowered down, man. None of them has the courage to ask him, are you really Jesus? They knew it was Jesus. And Jesus, he says to Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? And remember, he asks him that three times. The first time, Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And this is what Jesus said. He said, feed my lambs. And then the conversation comes back around. Peter, do you love me? What do you mean? You just asked me, did I love you? I told you I love you. And he said, take care of my sheep. Goes around. Conversation comes. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? What is your problem? I told you twice already that I love you. Like, now you're really bothering me. I'm feeling self-conscious. Do you not believe? You know, this is what's going on. And Jesus said this. He said, feed my sheep. Same question three times, but three different answers, similar but different. And the first time he says, feed my lambs. What's a lamb? It's a baby sheep. In other words, here, Jesus is talking about maturing. Like they're young. They don't know all the ways of of, of the Lord, of the faith. He said, I want you to feed those. In other words, Peter... It's your job to raise up disciples who will feed sheep, babies. Then he said, he changed it and he said, take care of my sheep. Because teaching and taking care of are two different things. They can be together, but they're two different things. And he's saying, I want you to pastor. I want you to pastor the people. And then the last one, he says, I want you to feed mature. Because you never miss smarty pants. Mr. Smarty Pants, you never stop growing. You never stop learning. We are lifelong learners. We're constantly growing in the faith. Every time you come to the house of God, you need to be learning what's going on. God, what are you speaking to me through this today? And so he speaks these things. And the very first thing, he could have started with feed my sheep. He could have started with take care of my sheep. He started with the very first one. I need you to raise them up, Peter, because they're going to need to take your place just like I needed to raise you up and you took my place. This is what I want to do. I want to wrap this up, and we're going to start baptizing folks here in just a second. So how, Pastor Rife, can I apply what you're saying to me today? Because, listen, if you came today just to hear something and not do something with it, mm mm-mm. When you eat something, you're either going to have to work those pounds off or they're going to get added right here. When you eat something, there's a purpose in what you eat. It causes life, sustenance in you. In you. And so, you know, what do I do with this word today, Pastor Rife? The first one is become an advocate for our children. Not your child, our children. Like, become an advocate. Fight for kids. Don't go, well, somebody else is going to go to that PTO meeting. Somebody else is going to take up the slack in the room for my kid at school. Somebody else is going to pitch in for that thing that they need on their soccer team or whatever. No, you become an advocate. You don't have to do everything, but you do have to do something. Everybody should do something. 
That's the way I feel about in church. Like, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do the music. You don't have to do the message. You don't have to do children's ministry. You don't have to park cars. You don't have to do everything. But everybody should do something. And so become an advocate for children. And then look at this. Know what they're being taught. Don't be ignorant about what, what is being taught in the schools. Know what's being taught in your school. You, if, I'm telling you what. If you have a child in school, you physically ought to be in that school knowing the atmosphere in that school. Listen, I'm telling you, I had a conversation with an old pastor friend of mine recently. We, he and I go, went to the same university, a Christian school. And he said, man, have you heard what's going on at our university, our alma mater? And I'm like, man, I, my, I, you know, I don't really keep up with it. He said, dude, like they're in a crossroads. They have, ha- they have hired so many liberal professors at this spirit-filled university that they are, they are at a crosshold of, of like losing their spirit-filled atmosphere. And they're turning out people who, when I mean turning out, producing. They're producing people who are not uh, spirit-filled and carrying on the tradition. In other words, at some point, if something's not done at that university, there is going to come a day that a class arose and graduated that knew not the ways of the Spirit. Are you with me? Know what's being taught in the schools. And then the last thing is this. Volunteer your time. Volunteer your talents. Volunteer your resources. What would our children's ministry look like if everybody went, you know what, Pastor Rife? I'm just telling you, if we really took this message and did something with it. The church that you came from next week would have some new volunteers in kids' ministry. Pastor, I knew he was preaching this for alternative motive. I'm not preaching this for an alternative moment. I'm preaching it because it's the truth and there is something valuable at stake. Our children and the next generation And what will it profit us if we have a cute little church building and we have some good little services where I feel good after and praise God, I just love that preacher. He's just funny. None of that matters if our children are not well cared for and taken care of spiritually for the next generation.